privilege of being the campus pastor here at Echo. We're one of four campuses, part of the Trinity Life Network. We have three campuses meeting right now over in Lutherville, an English-speaking campus, a Spanish-speaking campus, a Chinese-speaking campus, and then our campus that is here in Perry Hall, and we are glad that you're here this morning. Um, I had a lot of fun this week. My day on Thursday was exceptionally long because every Thursday um, I take freshly baked cookies um, to the homes of everybody who filled out a guest card. From the previous Sunday, and uh, we have two young ladies, it's down to one young lady that do it now, uh, Stephanie and Rebecca Deanna. They have this little entrepreneurial business on the side called Crave Bakery. They make incredible stuff, and when I first moved here, I found out about it. I said, Stephanie, could I pay you every week to bake cookies for our guests? And she said, no. She said, I'll just donate them. So every week, she bakes cookies, she and Rebecca. I'd have Stephanie stand up, but she's volunteering back in the nursery this morning, so she's back with the little kids. But So every week she bakes cookies. She's probably done about 100 dozen cookies so far. So if you're ever ordering any cookies for anything, it's going into good seed over there. But she, she the, last week texted me. She said, how many cookies for this week? And I almost felt bad because we had 18 guests last Sunday morning. But I, and she was so excited, so they brought the cookies over. And it took me most of Thursday. I went as far south as Lexington Avenue in the city, as far west as Owings Mills, as far north as Bel Air, as far east as Dundalk. And I got to deliver cookies to everybody who, who came here for the first time. So thank you for inviting people. It's always an interesting experience rolling up on someone's house, you know, like that. I don't knock on the door and bother people at home. We try and do it during the day when people are at work and just hang a little gift bag on the door with a note that just thanks them for being here. I did have an interesting experience at my Bel Air visit. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, follow the address and, you know, I've been attacked and chased by dogs and th- it's been all kinds of great, it's really a, an interesting experience. And, you know, if any of you feel led for that kind of ministry, I'm ready to hand it off. But, um, <laughs> so I'm up in Bel Air and I get out and, you know, I followed the address that this person put on the card and I start walking up the driveway and this guy who was outside working with stone, you know, like came up and he looked real suspicious at me right away. And it was a girl who filled out the address and it was a guy who was approaching me. So I'm already nervous. And uh, he says, can I help you? And I said, yes. And I named the name. I said, does this young lady live here? He said, yeah, she does, but she's out of town on business right now. I said, okay. I said, well, she visited the church um, that I pastor this past Sunday. And I just want to bring some cookies by and thank her for it. And he just looked at me and he just kind of did one of these things. And I had, you know, I had a, I had a ball hat on and a polo shirt and jeans. And he goes, you say you're the pastor? <laughs> I was like, Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) and he said, how old are you? And I told him, and he goes, you're a little young to be a pastor, aren't you? And so I took my baseball hat off, and he goes, oh, never mind, I see. (laughs) 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 So so yeah, you know, it just kind of flipped on it. But uh, we had a great conversation. You know, we had a really, really good conversation. And, um, you know, those conversations, I typically don't end up connecting with anybody. A couple weeks ago, I went to visit a family who came here from Middle River, um, Todd and Kara. And I was putting cookies on Todd's door. And uh, as I'm sneaking away, I hear the door open. And he's like, Pastor Phil? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, hey, come on in. And so I, I went into their house and, you know, and um, Kara, was, uh, Kara was out running some errands with the kids. And it was, it was just or, or no, the kids were down for a nap, so I started visiting with Todd. It was the second week that they had been here. He started sharing some of his story, um, found us at the Pack to School Outreach, and uh, came to church the next Sunday, delivered cookies that week. So he just started sharing a little bit about what's going on in their life, and, um, you know, all because of these cookies, right? Because Steph is working so hard to bake these cookies. I go to the knock on the door. Anyway, he invites me in the house, starts telling me some more of his story. 
Um, you know, and his story at that point was that his, his, the, the job they had, they just bought this house, this beautiful house, right, completely remodeled, renovated. It's gorgeous. It was very jealous. And, it, you know, it's, it's fantastic on the inside. And he said, but, man, you know, life just threw me a curveball. He said, they just eliminated my position, you know. And, um, you know, so we just began to share a little bit. And I said, well, what have you been doing in your downtime? He's like, well, my full-time job is finding a job right now. And he's like, and I play baseball. I'm like, you play, like, on a team? He's like, no. I was like, you mean video game? He said, yeah. I said, PlayStation 3? He said, yeah. I was like, let's go downstairs. So, <laughs> so an hour and a half later, <laughs> confessions of a pastor. And uh, so we're down there, and he's like, I created, and we play the same game. He's like, I created, I'm, like, I'm sitting there watching him play the game, and, and we're talking about it with, it was nothing spiritual. It's like, as, but, you know, you know, as guys are sitting there playing games, you start just talking about life. And so we shared some things. Before I left, I said, well, I just, on a whim, I just said, well, if you ever need to get a hold of me, you probably need to know how. Let me give you my cell phone number. So he writes it on his refrigerator dry erase pad and it was like just a couple days later that I got a call from Todd in the middle of the morning saying I don't know who else to call my daughter is not breathing they're right they're life flighting her to the hospital blah 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 on and on and on and you know so these cookies just started this chain reaction of things so he calls I go pick up Rajiv we head down to the hospital we pray it through your daughter's at home completely healthy now this week Todd got a job at T. Rowe Price and so he's gonna be starting again All because some of you gave money in an offering for us to do an outreach at Pack the School. And others of you came that day and gave three hours of sunburn out in the sun to, to talk to people about, about Echo and about God. And because someone else was willing to bake cookies and someone else was willing to take them. It's all about you just finding out what part you are in the process and just saying, I'm willing. I'm available. I'm willing. And all over this room are similar stories. You see, sharing your faith isn't as hard as we make it out to be. Sharing your faith isn't even always about preaching and talking. Sometimes it is. But really, it's about three things. Plant, water, grow. Now, say those three words with me. That's, all you, that's the whole message. Plant, water, grow. One more time. Plant, water, grow. Now, if, to be really popular, I could just end the service here and send you home. But we're actually going to talk about it a little more. But I want you to understand that sharing your faith Sometimes it's about telling about Jesus. Sometimes it's showing Jesus. Sometimes it's letting someone feel Jesus. It's about planting, watering, and then seeing God do something with that and making it grow. It's not my idea. This is actually the way that the Apostle Paul broke it down in, in the New Testament. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians today. So if you have your Bibles with you, either in a hard copy or in your phone or your tablet or wherever you look, look at it, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Find 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Next week, we're beginning our all-church study. We're spending five weeks studying five different journeys from the Bible. Our goal is that over that five weeks, you will be more familiar with and more excited about studying the Bible than at any point in your life. And I, and I came to you last week. I said, Pastor George, who was our pastor at Trinity, said, I'm really praying and hoping that at Echo, you'll see 100 new people come to church over those five weeks. Now, we're off to a good start. I mean, we haven't even started yet. We had 20 new people here last week. But again... Of course, then what did I preach on last week? Three, pe- three reasons to stop inviting people to church, right? So, um, so yeah, you know, we're going to have a lot of strategy meetings this week. They're going to get me straightened out. But um, if you missed it, you will want to go listen to it. It may not be what you think at first listen. We want you to invite people to church, but that's not the only way to share Jesus with somebody. We want you to have other ways to be able to feel like you can share your faith, and this week is going to help you with that. Plant, water, grow. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul who is writing. He is writing to, anybody want to take a guess? Okay, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. 
Yeah, people who lived in Corinth, which is in what country? Greece, okay. Anybody been to Greece? Okay, Pastor Stewart has. <laughs> yes, I have. I just like feta cheese and, and euro wraps. That's what I like. <laughs> but um, it's in present-day Greece, and he's writing to the Christians who were there, most of whom were saved either as a direct result of Paul's evangelism or a guy named Apollos' ministry. So he's writing to these people, and he's trying to settle an issue. He's kind of getting on to him a little bit about being kind of immature, being way too opinionated and disagreeable, and there's a problem in their little church. Whenever they got into disagreements, one of them said, well, I heard from Paul, and Paul says. And another one said, well, no, I got saved under Apollos' pastorship, and he says. And Paul tries to just cut to the chase and say, this is ridiculous. And here's what he says. <laughs> After all, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. I love this next verse. It's not important. You should really pay attention to those verses in the Bible. Sometimes we think things are important that really aren't. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work. You see that next word? Together. Wouldn't that be nice? If we could figure that out. Not just at Echo, but in every church that calls Jesus their Lord and Savior. If we could figure out what working together really looks like. With the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. So here's the big idea. The one statement I'm trying to get home to you this morning beyond just those three words plant water grow is this the big idea is that every fully committed follower of jesus christ can and should be working to spread the good news to people who need it every fully committed follower of jesus christ well pastor why don't you just say the word christian well we could put the word christian in there i just decided to define that word because you've got a lot of different definitions floating out there as to what a christian is some people think a christian is just somebody who who went to a a Lutheran church service when they were three years old, and now they're a Christian. Some people think a Christian is someone who goes to church on Sunday but does nothing else. We break that down to say, you know what a Christian is? It's a fully committed, not partially committed, not uncommitted, but a fully committed follower, not of Echo Church or Trinity Church or First Lutheran or Second Baptist or Third Methodist, a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to do here at Echo. That is our assignment. That is our mission. We want to be a safe place that's developing fully committed followers of Jesus Christ so we can meet even more needs right here in our neighborhood and in our world. That's what we're here for. Every fully committed follower of Jesus can and should be actively, enthusiastically involved in working to spread the good news to people who need it. Now, I usually have my sermon notes done on Monday because we've got to get it out to different people on our team who need it, which means usually my Sunday afternoon is preparing the next week's message. And sometimes after I send these notes out, my thoughts get a little more refined during the week. And I would love to add a word in there that I can't, but I would love to put the word together after the word working. That every fully committed follower of Jesus Christ can and should be working together, together to spread the good news to people who need it. So first of all, what is the good news? That's kind of a, a biblical term. You know, the word gospel means good news. So what is the good news? Good news, you fill out a connect card, you get cookies. Is that the gospel? No. If I asked you this morning to define the good news, could you? If you can't, can I help you? The good news is that you don't have to settle for the life you have now. 
The good news is that you can be the person you wished you could be. The good news is that if you're still breathing and you're still alive, then there's still hope for you to turn this thing around. The good news is that even though you can't make yourself into that person, the good news is that Jesus Christ agreed to come to earth, live a perfect life, and pay the penalty for your sins that you and I never could, and you can have a personal relationship with him if you just believe him. That's good news. It's good news. And all of us should be actively involved in in sharing this. And I think if you've been in church any length of time, you get that. We tell you every Sunday, invite somebody to church, tell somebody about Jesus, share your faith. And if you don't, you're a sub, you know, you're a subpar Christian. I want to correct that this morning. I think most of us want to tell people the good news. But for whatever reason, if we feel like we're not being effective, it's either because we don't know how we're intimidated. We've we failed. I want to I want to make this more optimistic for you. I want to simplify this whole process. I want you to understand what God expects and what he doesn't. He expects you to plant. He expects you to water. He doesn't expect you to make it grow. That's his job. I can't save anybody. I can't. I'm not perfect enough to die on the cross. And I don't need to. But I can plant. I can water. And repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And so can you. So let's break this down a little bit. What are some of the application statements from this verse? What was Paul trying to get through to them? A couple things. Number one, spreading the good news about Jesus requires work. Ha ha. This is a real popular message. How many of you excited about working this morning? Ha <laughs> ha. You are not, you liars. <laughs> well, where do you get this crazy idea? Oh, from the scripture we just read. How does Paul describe himself? So we're just, what does he say? Who are we? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. Do you understand that talking to people about Jesus and trying to love them towards Jesus takes work? It just takes work. But so does most everything worth having. It takes work. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, are we waiting for birds to drop off our groceries at the doorstep? No. You know how God answers that prayer? We work. He gives us the ability and the capacity to work, to earn the means of exchange, to get the things we need to eat. Or if you just are all pioneer woman-y and you just live off the land, he gives you the capacity to make your garden grow. You work. My dad told me when I was little, anything worth having is worth working for. It's not a Bible verse. It's what my dad said. I used to think most of the stuff he said was in the Bible, and I found out later I just dashed my whole childhood. (laughs) You told me that was in the book of Hezephaniah, and then I found out that book didn't exist. (laughs) Spreading the good news of Jesus, planting and watering his work. How many of you have ever tried to grow something in a garden? How many of you have done this successfully? How many? Uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> that would be me. Planting and watering is work. No one told me that. Especially if you're starting with just, you know, land that had never been planted in before. It's a lot of work. It takes work to spread the good news. It took Paul a lot of work. But it's interesting that Jesus prepared his disciples for this. He never said, sit back and watch while the Holy Spirit converts the world. You know what he said? Go into all the world. Tell people the good news. Baptize them. Disciple them. It takes work. But I feel like in some ways I'm kind of 
preaching to the choir here. It means we're supposed to be about the work of loving God, loving people, and meeting needs so that all the while we're spreading the good news that there's a better life available through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes work. It takes work. It took work a few weeks ago when, you know, she's back in children's ministry this morning, but Melissa and Andy invited a co-worker to come to church. It took work. It took overcoming some fear. But you know what? Her co-worker said, I'll come. Wonderful young lady named Renee. She came to church. She made a decision to accept Jesus. She came to our picnic and was baptized in water. She's got her daughter in church. She feels like life has started all over again for her, but it took work from somebody. If you would show up here at 8 o'clock in the morning, here on a Sunday, you'd see a lot of work taking place. You'd see people who could have slept in a couple hours who got up for zero dollars and no cookies. And show up here with smiles on their faces, thanking God they get to move heavy things into this place and turn a cafeteria where a year ago there was a tragedy in all the news, turned it into a house of worship for people to find Jesus. It takes work. It takes work. But, you know, there's a, it's a different kind of a work that you do for God, because here's what I've discovered. The work I do for God doesn't nearly make me as tired as some other kinds of work. And don't get me wrong, it's work. Those of you that were at the pack-to-school event, Joe, Triza, Rajiv, Suba, George and Kim, Adam and Kristen, you guys were out there. It was a lot of work. It was hot. And I went home physically tired but spiritually alive. There's this different thing you tap into when you do work, not only for God but with God. It's a different kind of work. There's, I don't know, 30, 40 of us out there last night. John and Kim Page were out there at Movies in the Park. You know, they drive from Reisterstown every week to be part of this. Never once have I heard them complain. They were out there probably till 10, 30, 11, got home late, turned right around, came in here this morning with a spring in their step, enjoying their hearts. They're doing work for the kingdom. But they've discovered something that that kind of work has its own kind of internal motor. Friend, if you want your friends and your family to know Jesus and you're willing to spread the gospel, understand it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. But those are the types of things that make this thing go. Paul said, I'm a worker and I'm willing to do the work that God sent me. But number two, God's workers need to be involved in exactly two kinds of things. This is the work we do. Planting seeds and watering seeds. God assumes the responsibility for making those seeds grow. He wants us to be involved in planting seeds and watering seeds. God assumes responsibility for making these seeds grow. Let me show you where we pulled that statement from. We read it before. I'll read it again. Verses 6 and 7. Paul says, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. I want you to understand that on God's farm, there are no workers that are kept around for decorative purposes. In God's farm, he expects all of the workers. And who are the workers? Every single one of us, the moment we accept Jesus in our life, we become part of his work team. We become part of his workforce in the singular assignment to together keep spreading the gospel. It's almost as though that when we get saved, there's this seed inside of us that could be taken out and transplanted and grow. My son loves avocados. I've spent 35 years of my life not even knowing what an avocado was. I discovered it recently. My life has been changed. What a delightful fruit, vegetable, fruit that it is. My son, we can cut that avocado thing in half, peel it open, and scoop it out with a spoon, and he will clobber an entire avocado. But I don't know if that's healthy or appropriate, but, you know, we work with it. He's 19 months. He eats whatever he feels like when he feels like it. But 
Have you seen the seed of an avocado? You could break a window with that thing. Like the other day, Kendra's like, Can you, you know, like I, you know, she's doing three things, and, and, and you know, I was doing something important, I think texting or something. And she's like, can you help? Fee- yes, yes. She, she, here, like she hands me this bowl, which was half an avocado. And I start feeding my son, and I'm peeling the avocado around this enormous seed. And we're done, and I'm like, he's like, ball, ball, ball. It's like this big. And my stories have to be a little exaggerated. It's like this. No, it's really only about that big. And I'm like, and then, you know, God starts, maybe, maybe it was God, maybe it was just too much avocado, but something was stirring in my mind, and I thought, most of the stuff that God created has the capacity within itself to make more life. Now, God made the avocado. He found it. He made it. Apples, oranges, trees. How do we grow more of them? Well, there's something, there's life-giving potential produced out of all of these things. I wonder if that what what Paul's driving at. The moment you get saved now inside of you is that capacity, that seed now. You have everything inside of you you need, if it were, to kind of scoop that out and find new soil to plant that into so that more life to grow. It would just be consistent with the way that God makes everything. But we've thrown a lot, we're throwing the word seed and plant, and these are all analogies. Well, what is, what is the seed that Paul's talking about? Well, I'll just give you a simple definition, maybe not the definition, but a definition. When he says planting seeds, a seed is something true about God. Something true about who God, I know this isn't in your notes, but I want you to understand this. Jesus tells a parable that says it's the word of God. That's absolutely true. Jesus said it. Anytime I take something that's true about God and I plant it in the soil, it has a shot at growing. Do you know you can plant bad things, though, too? Has anybody ever planted a really destructive thought in your mind? And you recognize a lot of people you're trying to reach for Jesus have already had some planting done that you might have to weed some things out before that seed that you're trying to put in there will take effect. That's why your arguments aren't working. That's why they shut down on you quickly because no one's ever listened to them long enough that you can help weed out some of that stuff. It is, isn't it? I just should have thought of that when I was writing the notes. I just kind of wish God God needs to work on my time here. Planting. What does planting mean? Planting is when we try and get something true about God into the soul of a person. Now, I have to refer back to, I love a flip chart, right? I'm a little nerdy like that. Um, this is the outline of my trash can lid, and this is two of our mixing bowls. But a couple weeks ago, how many of you, do you remember this? Does this look familiar? Okay. If you haven't, this is kind of a cross-section of an everlasting gobstop. No, I'm just kidding. This is, this is kind of, this is how we are. This is how every human being is, says the Bible, that we're made like God, and Paul talks about that we all have a body, a soul, and a spirit. I have a body, I have a soul, and I have a spirit. And when I ask Jesus into my life, he comes, 1 Corinthians 6 says, and he takes residence here in my spirit. That's a part of me that lives forever. But I have a body, and I have a soul. My body is my senses, right? My ear, things I hear, things I see, things I feel, things I taste, things I touch. That's my body. My soul is that invisible part of me that, you know, you can't really see, but you can kind of pick up on. That's my mind, my thoughts, my attitudes, my emotions, my feelings. My spirit, that's kind of consistent. I mean, that's just, that's just what I believe. How do I get something into my spirit? It has to kind of come this way, right? Paul says it this way. How can people get saved if they've never heard of Jesus? And how can they hear about Jesus unless someone goes and shows them about Jesus? And, and he starts reverse engineering it. So what is planting? Planting is where you and I are trying somehow to get something that's true about God into the mind of somebody so it can eventually get into their spirit, right? 
Now, do you understand why I say, well, preaching isn't the only way to do planting? It is a way. But what other senses do you have? Not just hearing. What other senses do you have? You can see things, right? Have you ever been, has something ever been planted in you by just seeing something? Seeing the love of God at work? Observing something happen? Have negative things been planted in your mind just by seeing things? Some of you look in a mirror, seriously. Some of you look in a mirror and are so depressed because of the standards you have for the way that you should look that it just plants all this negative stuff in your mind. You know what kinds of seeds grow? Everything that gets watered. That's why the young lady who looks in the mirror and doesn't like what she sees when she goes to school and gets rejected by somebody that she likes, or it just waters this thing, and it starts growing. You need to understand that good and bad seeds can get planted at anybody. And sometimes before we see growth, we have to do some weeding. We have to do some pruning. We have to, sometimes before you tell your friend about the gospel, you might need to just listen to why they're so angry about Jesus first. Just a suggestion. But planting is where I'm trying to show somebody, tell somebody, help them feel, taste, experience something true about God. Because if I can do that, I'm getting a seed now into this soil. And if you read the parable of the sower and the seed that Jesus talked about, I can't go into it this morning. There's as much to do with the soil as there is with the seed. I can plant great corn seeds in the middle of my driveway at home. They ain't going to grow. Sometimes you've got to get the soil ready so the seed can go in. And if we're all doing this together, we can all play a part in this. Well, Pastor, I feel like I've been praying for somebody in my life to accept Jesus for years and years and years, and I see no progress. Well, what's the condition of their soil? What is this already filled with? What have they seen, felt, tasted, experienced about Jesus, and what's already, what's already kind of going through their mind and their feelings? You know what watering is? That's planting. You know what watering is? Watering is where you come alongside a seed that's already been planted, and you just kind of affirm it and keep it moving forward. And I'll give you another clue. Sometimes you don't know whether you're planting or watering. You have no idea. This past Sunday, I'll give you an example. This past Sunday at the picnic, um, I have a friend of mine who was there who I know at that time didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And he was at the picnic. He was watching us baptize people. Danielle got baptized this Sunday. It was a great day. She got saved in October, got baptized on Sunday. It was a great day. Judy and Mickey are here again this morning. Glad to have you guys with us. And I watched this person watching the baptism. And I felt unusually bold. I felt like, you know, I'm going to try. And I came up to the, to the person afterwards, and he just said, thanks for a great day. I'm going to go home now. And this is very unusual for me. I put my finger right on his sternum, and I said, I want to baptize you next. And I almost felt as surprised saying it as he did hearing it. And, he, and I'm thinking I'm planting. I'm injecting a new thought into his mind. And he looks at the person next to him. He goes, we were just talking about that. I thought I was planting. You know what? I was watering. Because someone, way before I ever had this conversation, said, I care about this person enough that I'm going to seize on this opportunity. I'm going to plant a good thing as mine. It says, God loves you. He has a plan for you. And I see a day when you're going to get saved and you're going to be in there being baptized. And as he's wondering if this is true or not, and that seed's just sitting on top of the soil, I come along and say, I want to baptize you next. And he's like, whoa. We were just talking about that. And for someone who didn't know Jesus, he's screaming through the atmosphere, I exist, and this is not a coincidence. And somewhere in all of that, God's starting to make this seed grow. Friend, it doesn't matter who plants. It doesn't matter who waters. It doesn't even matter if you can't figure out the difference between it. But you and I need to be active in planting and watering. In planting and watering the right things. You know, as a church, sometimes we can unintentionally plant the wrong things. Have you ever had a bad experience when you came to a church? Do you think people have a bigger problem with God or Christians? I can't empirically prove that. 
but I suspect that there's probably been a lot of damage done by well-intentioned Christian people who just couldn't get out of their own way <laughs> and planted all kinds of things in here. Like, I'm not good enough to be in that church. I don't dress nice enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm divorced. I've got baggage. I've got history. I'm confused about who I am, so I guess I can't fit in. Heaven help us. We need to weed some of that stuff out. Why do you think red carpet is as passionate as they are about making every single person who comes through those doors feel welcome and accepted? Because we're trying to prepare people's soil even before we get to this part about this. Planting and watering takes work. Mal, I was thinking about the story you told me the other week about your coworker, right? So Mallory works with a coworker that she discovered. Um, <laughs> I said Mallory works with a coworker. Well, of course you do. <laughs> she discovered one of her coworkers totally doesn't believe in God at all, atheist, right? And the way she found out is one day that they were chatting in the break room, and he started asking her questions about, about what she believed, and it came up that she went to church, and he said, you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? And she just very calmly and politely looked him dead in the eye with no prep and just said, oh, absolutely I do. And sometimes just that response is enough. And she went on explaining, well, let me tell you why. Let me give you about 12 reasons that I've experienced in my own life. I kind of ended that conversation. The next week, they're in the break room again on a Monday. And they were talking about their weekend. And her friend with sarcasm says, oh, what, so what did you do on Sunday? And she talks and he says, I don't suppose you went to church, did you? She said, matter of fact, yes, I did. And she was walking away. She said, oh, and I prayed for you too. You know, it was great. <laughs> but you know what she didn't do? Talk down to that person. Intellectually get all up in their face. She said, I'm fully committed to, in whatever way, she said, I'm fully committed to following this guy. And I'm going to love you whether you ever decide to follow him or not. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care about you. And I'm going to pray for you. And he said, well, okay, well, thanks. Okay. Planting. <laughs> now, she's planting and watering, but we don't... See, here's what we don't know. We don't know what other experiences that young man is having in his life. There's probably all kinds of other people that are watering and watering and planting and watering, and you don't ever know. And sometimes you're planting and watering and planting and watering, planting and watering, and you never get to see the increase, and then you find out that it grew, and you're like, man, I worked for three years to try and get that person to come to church, and then they did, but they went to another church. So What? So what? If you care about his kingdom, he'll take care of our church. If we build the kingdom, I, like I've said before, I could care less if they come to Echo or not. I'm glad if people come to Echo. I just want to, I could, even if they don't get to a church, let them get to Jesus. Let them get to Jesus. Let them get into the kingdom. That's what it's about. When you see somebody's life changed by Jesus, it is an adrenaline that you cannot bottle. I'm telling you. That's what it's about. I get so much more wound up about that stuff than other things. It's planting and watering and planting and watering. And these things come up when you're not expected. I'm in the face painting line last night. Let me explain. <laughs> I didn't think of this story first, and that was not the way to, to start it. Um, so at every Movies in the Park, we, we do free face painting for kids. And uh, I get the job of being in the front of the line to make sure that it stays in some semblance of organization because people will come unglued if some other kid cut their kid in line to get their faces painted. So I'm there. You know, making sure, just, you know, talking with people, having a good time. A dad comes up with his three-year-old son, and he says, are you, with, are you with the Echo Community Church? I said, I am. He said, do you take donations? Conversations never start this way for me. <laughs> and I said, no, no, sir, this is all free. This is everybody wearing the gray T-shirt. They give in the offering in our church every week, and it's out of those funds that we're able to do this. He said, so if I cut you a check right now, you wouldn't take it? 
And I slow down for a second. I'm like, <laughs> hold on, maybe you're trying to show me something. You know, and, and I said, um, I said, well, I said, I'm not going to turn it away. I said, but I want you to understand, you don't, we, we just do this because we love our community and we love people and we believe God loves our community and loves people. And this is just one of the ways that we do it. He said, I'm coming back next week and I'm bringing you a check. I said, okay. He said, I don't go to church anywhere. I don't really care to. But if your church is doing stuff like this, I want you guys to stay around. And I said, well, I know you said you don't go to church anywhere. I said, but I'm the pastor. He said, how old are you? And I'm not going through that whole thing. <laughs> I said, well, I'm the pastor. This young lady that's painting your child's face is my wife. She runs our, we've got great children's programs for your son. Um, why don't you come check us out? He said, I, okay. He said, well, no one's asked. <laughs> okay. Did I present him with the full gospel of Jesus right then and there? Kind of. I just didn't use a lot of words. Here's something you didn't have to earn or pay for that we get to do for you. You have an open invitation. Well, Pastor, are you scared to? Uh, I'm not scared to present the gospel to people. I just don't want to, you know, I just don't want to cram something down someone's throat. You have to be sensitive. That's where you work together with the Holy Spirit. And I hope you understand. I'm trying to tell you a bunch of different stories in a bunch of different ways so you don't see it's not one silver bullet. There's all kinds of different ways you can share your faith. Some of you are really good at making that presentation. Awesome. And I want you all to be comfortable enough with that so you don't have to bring them to me to get them saved. Heaven help you. I want you to feel like, you know what? If they were ready to accept Jesus right then and there, I know how to do it. That's my job. Help equip you to do that. Planting and watering and planting and watering. And God makes it grow. God makes it grow. Hit these two points, these last two points real quick here. Number three, God. This one messed with me for most of the week. But this is in the scripture, so I want to bring this out for you. God rewards his workers for their efforts, not their results. I really had a hard time putting this down because that messes with my result-driven way of thinking. But there's this phrase in the Bible that I don't know how else to take it. Let me read it to you, see if you draw the same conclusion. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Here's the sentence. And both will be rewarded for what? Their hard work. Even if it doesn't produce a big crop. God says, I see how hard you worked in that field. I see how hard you prayed for that person. Because some of us, God assigns us like this little one-tenth of an acre by one-tenth of an acre, and you feel like you're digging and digging and digging and digging and getting nowhere. But you're digging and digging and digging and digging in faith and hope that someday it'll turn into something. The Bible says we plant and we water with the same purpose, and all of us, both of them, will be rewarded for their own hard work. I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel like you've been praying for somebody for 20 years and you see no progress, God sees your hard work. If you've been praying for someone for three years to get saved and they do somewhere else and you don't even get to be there. You get to share in the reward. Because God rewards us not just for our results, for our hard work. This is so hard in our westernized mindset because we're all about the results, baby. Get results however you can. We get promotions. We get paid. We take care of our family. You know why? Usually results. Usually results. Does that mean God doesn't care about results? No. But if you follow his formula, plant, water, grow, we're not really involved on the results side. We're involved on the work side. Because really, at the end of the day, if I plant and I water and I plant and I water and you plant and I water and he plants and she waters, it's up to God to make it grow. And he shares the harvest, the rewards of the harvest with everybody who worked in the field. You don't have to engineer how to make a seed grow. You just have to plant and water. And if you've given up hope, friend, I've been there. I've, I'll share a story in just a second. I told you there's five people I pray for every day. 
that at, well, there were, as of last Sunday, there were five people in my life that I prayed for every day. None of them knew Jesus. Four of the five of them don't even live close to Ecker. They live in other states. So if I think inviting them to church is the only way to get them into heaven, I had to come up with another strategy, right? Every single day. And I'm telling you, a couple of them I've been praying for for seven or eight years. And some of you have been praying for people longer than that. And I feel like I'm moving backwards with some of them. Like, they were closer to getting to know Jesus seven years ago, and I prayed seven years another farther away. Can I just encourage you this morning? God's not hung up on how many, but how hard and diligently, enthusiastically you will work to spread the gospel and to position people in a way that he can reign on that and make it grow and make it grow. Some people put a great deal of labor into a little field and make much out of it. Others use a great deal of labor throughout a long life, and they see but a small result. But the reaping man will not get all the reward. The sowing man shall receive his portion too. The laborers are nobodies, but they'll enter into the joy of the Lord. Last point. Last point. God has made us his field by his choice and also because he purchased it. That last verse says, we're both God's workers and you're God's field. You're God's building. You know what that means? Every single person in God's field belongs to him, even the ones who aren't saved. You know why? Because he bought them. Do you understand that every single human being who walks this face of the earth has already been bought by Jesus? Just not all of them have given him the reward of the purchase. He didn't just die for the people who would be saved. He died so that anybody who wanted to could have a relationship with Jesus. He chose to do that. He picked us. And it makes no sense. I'm like, that's not a good choice. We're going to frustrate you, man. Haven't you learned this yet? We're going to disappoint you. We're going to let you down. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to require a lot of work. You're going to give out a whole lot more than you get back. And he says, you know what? I want it so bad. I'll send my son to pay for it. Paul writes later on, you don't belong to you. Your body doesn't even belong to you. Well, it's my body. I can do what I want to. Uh Uh-uh. The person who paid for it, who has the receipt, he gets to decide what he does with what it says. I'm not going to come to your house and tell you how to use your TV. You bought it. It's yours. I'm not going to come to your house and take your TV off the wall because you're not using it the way I think you should. That's stealing. This doesn't belong to me. Belongs to the one who bought it. We're God's field because he picked us and he bought us. I want you to understand that person in your life that keeps you awake at night because they don't know Jesus, he paid for them and he picks them. When you feel like you don't have any value to anybody, I want you to understand the value on your life. You are not worthless. I don't care how bad your morning was moving up to this point. It can all change in just a moment. You might be feeling really hopeless today. Let me tell you, I, I, uh, let me go back to a story I started earlier. So I'm at the picnic. I'm going to baptize you next. As soon as I say it, I'm like, man, that might have been the wrong thing to say. The young man says, that's crazy. We were just talking about that. He said, I really need to get with you. I've just got a lot of questions about all this. I said, okay, are we going to get together this week? Yeah, yeah, we can get together this week. What's your schedule look like? We can get together Friday. Okay, let's get together Friday. You like Mexican? I hate Mexican. Okay, we won't go out and eat Mexican food then. You like barbecue? Love it. Okay, we'll go go have barbecue. So all week, I'm just praying for this opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, right? And I just knew in my heart, I don't care where the conversation goes, if I don't have any answers, I'm still going to ask this young man at the end if he's ready to accept Jesus. Because I'd asked him before, and he had told me no. He was just honest. 
you have to be okay with inviting people to accept Jesus, and if they say no, love them anyway. Well, pastor, but you don't understand. If, if they don't accept Jesus and they die, they're going to go to hell. Absolutely, you're right. You're, you're right. Hell exists. God didn't create it with people in mind. But that's the fate that awaits anybody who doesn't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's not my favorite part of the Bible. Wish it were otherwise. And it is the truth. And I have to balance that urgency against opportunity. And that's tricky at best. But everybody has the right to say yes or say no to Jesus. Not up to me to hold them against the wall and force them. You have the right to pick. My job is just to present you with the opportunity. And that's your job. But I knew I was going to ask him. So we, we get there. We start having barbecue, making small talk. And then the conversation turned to this. I said, well, just tell me about where you're at with you, where you're at with you and God. And, and I'll respect, you know, just a lot of the privacy of that conversation. But he started at a young age. He said, you know, the hardest thing for me is that I didn't grow up in a church. A lot of people at church, they've heard this all their lives, and it's easy for them to accept and believe. It's a little harder for me. I want to. There's some stuff in the Bible that's really hard to believe. I said, man, you're not kidding. It really is. He said, well, like, you know, you read about all these people getting healed, and to me it just kind of sounds like magic. I said, well, you're not that far off. There's a lot of people back then that thought it was magic too. It, 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 I mean, it's just hard to it, it is. There's nothing wrong with telling someone it's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. That's why you need belief for it. And the moment we start talking, he's, I said, well, what, what are the parts that you are solid on? What do you believe? Well, I believe, said, his word, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I said, do you believe you need Jesus? He said, of course I do. Everybody needs Jesus. I said, why? Well, to forgive me of my sins and so that I can live forever in heaven. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to kind of figure out where this is going. I said, well, then, friend, you, you believe everything the Bible says you need to believe in order to invite Jesus into your life. Help me understand why you feel like you can't move forward. He said, because there's just so many other things I don't believe yet, and I know I need to believe all of it in order for me to be saved. I said, wait a minute. And we're sitting there at a table, and there's like all the, you know, this place has like six different barbecue sauces. It is heaven on earth. <laughs> and I take out one of these barbecue sauce things. I said, maybe this will help you. I turn it on its side. You know, they have these little squeeze bottles of barbecue sauce. So there's a little tiny air bubble in it, right? And then there's all the rest of this barbecue sauce. I said, this might help you out. There's a guy that came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I believe in you. But help me with my unbelief. I said, so what this guy's saying is that inside of him, there's two things operating. He had some belief, some stuff he believed to be true that he owned. There's a whole bigger subset of things that he just didn't believe, couldn't believe, might not believe, was having trouble believing. And you know what? His belief was enough to save him. I said, so I turned this bottle sideways. I said, you might say that this air bubble represents the things about God that you believe. And then all the barbecue sauce is all the things you just haven't figured out yet and you can't believe. He said, yeah, that's probably about right. I said, here's where you might be stuck. You think you need to squeeze all this barbecue sauce out first before you can come to Jesus. I said, do you realize you don't need to believe anything more than what you believe? I said, I've followed Jesus for years and there's still some things I'm trying to figure out and I'll probably spend the rest of my life trying to figure it out. I might not get there, but you know what I know? That God existed, he had a son named Jesus, that he, for whatever reason, he loved me enough to die for me and that he can forgive my sins and change my life. He said, well, I believe the same thing. He said, I just don't feel it in my heart yet. You know why? Have you ever invited him into your heart? No, then how are you going to feel him in your heart? Oh, well, I guess that's the next step that I need to take. Are you ready to take that step right now? And see, a lot of us stop right here. I guess I need something like that. 
Okay, well, I'll pray for you, brother. You want to come to church Sunday? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Are you ready to pray right now in the middle of a barbecue restaurant? Why not? We went outside, but why not, you know? I said, you ready to pray right now? He goes, yeah. Yeah, I think I am. Puts the sunglasses on, gets up, throws his trash. I'm like, okay, he's serious. He means like right now. So I throw my trash away. We go right outside the doors of the restaurant. I said, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just pray, you know, yourself? Or do you want me to give you a sentence or two at a time? He's like, I've never really talked to God out loud before. I was like, oh, this is a great way to start. I was like, it'll be real easy. I said, I'll pray out loud first. And then when we get to that part, you know, because I can't pray you into heaven. I'd have done this a long time ago, but you have to own this yourself. He said, I'm ready. I said, okay. So we prayed and we got to the part. I said, okay, this is the part where I'm going to give you a sentence at a time. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe you exist. I believe you exist. I believe you have a plan for my life. I believe you have a plan for my life. Come into my heart. Change me forever. Come into my heart and change me forever. Amen. Amen. He looks up. He grins and he goes, this is awesome. What's my next step? I'm like, no one's ever said that before. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I knew. <laughs> He's like, this is great. What's next? I said, well, I guess we probably need, maybe to, you want to just get together for the next, you know, once a week for the next two months and we can ask more of your questions. I said, yeah. I wish every one of you, a lot of you know this young man. He's part of this, he's part of this church because we're cool with people coming to church here and finding Jesus at whatever point, you know. <laughs> he, he's done more outreach than a lot of us have, Right? You know, and a couple things flooded my mind. One was, he remembered every single conversation most of you have ever had with him about Jesus. He named about eight or nine names of people sitting here this morning that said, I remember I had a conversation with Miss Joan that said this, or I remember that I talked to this one, I remember that one, I remember this. And I'm sitting there feeling so almost embarrassed. I'm like, I don't deserve to be the one to get to be here for this prayer. You know how much planting and watering and planting and watering. and pl- He went the whole way back to his childhood. He said, it's long before I even met anybody at this church. Back when I was six years old, I started thinking about this. But I've only been in church three times between then and when I was an adult. So I started texting everybody who had planted and watered in his life that I could think of. I said, I've got great news for you. You know, and a couple of my didn't text. I wanted him to tell them. And uh, the second thing that went through my mind is when I got in my car, I was like, man, that was one of my five that I've been praying for. I have so much more hope for the other four. This really does work. And then I replaced the fifth with somebody else. I was like, that one is next. I'm going, you know, like, because you just like, this really works. Like, this really can happen. Like, this, who are you planting seed into? Who are you watering? Who have you written off? God's chosen them. He's paid for them. I've tried to give you enough examples this morning. You might have one thing to say, you know what? That sounds so much like me. I could totally do that. Then do it. Then do that. Plant the seeds that you can plant. Water the seeds that you can water. And understand it's up to God to make it grow. To make it grow. I believe we're in a season of seeing tons of people saved for the kingdom. We're right there. Sometimes all it takes is one to get the ball rolling. This young man, I'm convinced, dozens and dozens and dozens of people are going to come to Jesus because of him. Convinced of it in my heart. Convinced of it in my heart. But don't give up. We're working together to spread the good news of Jesus to people who need it. Let me pray over you this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you're like, man, that story you just told, you could have put me in the story and been in the same way. I, there's some things I believe, some things I don't, and I can't. But let's talk about what you do believe this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never invited him into your life. If you believe that God exists, that he has a son named Jesus, who was every bit his son but was every bit a human being who lived on earth, 
lived a perfect life, died on the cross because of your sins, not his, and that he rose from the dead and is seated in heaven. And he's speaking to you right now through his Holy Spirit saying, I will come in and change your life if you'll just invite me. That's the bare bones of it. And in fact, a lot of this stuff is going to seem really confusing and tough to believe until you've made that first step to invite Jesus into your life to help you start piecing together some of the rest of this. If that's you this morning, you can pray the same prayer that young man prayed just a couple days ago. You can just say right in your seat right now, you can just say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I've been living life my own way up to this point. And today I want that to stop. I want to live life your way. I can't do it on my own. So I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my soul and please take up resonance in my spirit. And change me from the inside out. Every day that you allow me to draw your breath, change me a little bit from who I used to be into who you already are, Jesus. I'm moving from part of the field to be one of your workers now. And I'm looking forward to every moment of every day moving forward. I also want to speak a word of encouragement in the house with every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you have given up hope on people in your life that you know. Because you've planted and watered and planted and watered and you see nothing. Friend, can I just encourage you, don't get tired in doing good things. This is the work that God's called us to. And if you're feeling tired, I pray the Holy Spirit right now strengthens you out of his glorious riches in your inner person to activate that power that already lives inside of you, to motivate you and propel you forward, to pick up, to pick up the planting again, to pick up the watering again, and to be faithful to carry out the work that God's given you to do. Friend, it's all about seeing lives change. And we get to be part of this process. God could have done it outside of us, but for whatever mysterious reason, picked it to do it through us. I'm just challenging you to make yourself available again today. What kinds of seeds are you planting? Are you planting true things about God? And are you watering those? Or are you planting other things in people's lives? Maybe you need to go back this week and weed out some seeds you've planted. And say, I treated you this way. I said this to you. I've been this type of a person. And I ask you to please forgive me. And instead, I want to replant a different type of thing into your life of love and kindness and forgiveness and gentleness and peace and patience into your life. God, I pray over this house today. It's not about building Echo Community Church. It's not about building the Trinity Life Network. It's about building your kingdom. And God, when I look at the news and I look around this country, I don't see our nation headed in a good direction. And God, I know it's going to get every week and month, unless you intervene, it's going to get more difficult for us as Christians, for us as pastors, for us as churches to spread the good news. But I commit myself again that whatever it takes... You've put us at this point in history for some reason, for a specific time and season. I pray you stir something in our heart again, Holy Spirit, that we would feel even a fraction of the passion for lost people that you do. Replace my carnal feelings with your passion for lost people. I pray that you dissolve stereotypes and prejudice that keep us from reaching out to people. I I pray you help us let go of grudges that keep us from reaching out to people that we need to. We might be the best Christian they know, but there's so much animosity between us and them that we're not planting and watering anymore. May this be a season that we can present to you a harvest of souls for your kingdom. We will plant We will water, but it's up to you to give the increase. In your precious name we pray.
Amen.